I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 275. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. God is in the resurrecting business. It's scattered all throughout scripture, but really it's a main theme that begins in the pages of Genesis chapter 3. It's been the plan all along to redeem the death that man walked into through mistrust and disobedience at the beginning by bringing us back to life, just like his son through his son. An Elevation Worship song, Resurrecting, sings of that truth, and that will be our jumping off point this week. So first, let's listen. ultimate resurrection can be found summarized pretty well in Colossians chapter 2. It's one of the places anyway. It says in verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. There it is. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. There's a lot of encouragement in this verse, but we never, ever, ever want to just stop there. We want to always read verses in context of what the original intent of the author was trying to say to the original audience. Now, I want to stop here and just encourage some of you who don't think you can do this on your own. And I fully recognize how intimidating reading and understanding the Bible is. It's easier for me these days, I have to admit, because I've read the Bible through every year for the past several years. I've memorized large sections of scripture. I read voraciously and I listen to podcasts and I attend services and I've done that pretty much my entire life. But even I had to start somewhere. Those large chunks of scripture I've memorized, I did so because I was extremely competitive And even though it was God's word, I'm not sure I did it because I wanted to hide God's word in my heart as much as I was trying to beat out Brian Schneider for the top spot on our Bible quiz team in high school. Now, God's used it, okay? Even though it wasn't an honorable way of going about it, his word has not returned void. But my motivation wasn't super honorable. And I participated in Bible studies and attended church services my whole life. I even took a few Bible classes in Bible college, so I understand I may have a few years on some of you and a few classes and conferences and other experiences too, 
But it wasn't until a sunny afternoon sitting with a friend across from our new mentor that my devotional life as it relates to my commitment to scripture changed forever. My friend Dana and I had been assigned the same mentor. It was through an older women teaching younger women program at our church. Now, another friend of ours made this happen, this program happen. But unfortunately, the older women in the church didn't step up in the same number as the younger women who desperately needed their wisdom and accountability. So Dana and I had to share. We had to share a mentor. I will never forget. We sat across from our mentor in the sunroom at the first session. We were just trying to get to know each other. And she encouraged us that some of our sessions would be all together, but that she was there for us individually as needed. And Dana and I had known each other since college, but we were kind of relieved because although we were friends, we weren't sure we wanted to air out all of our junk to our mentor in front of each other, which is kind of humorous because now we're very close friends and have done all of that. (laughs) But anyway, but there we sat, hopeful, um, a little unsure, and our mentor just nonchalantly asks what our devotional life was like. I mean, this again, this is just the get to know you session. Like, when did we read our Bibles and what was our prayer life like? Just trying to get to know us. We both swallowed hard and we looked at each other and she leaned in and her eyes narrowed just ever so slightly. And she said, you read your Bible every day, right? And we shifted uncomfortably in our chairs. Um, Well, we know we should. We do sometimes. We'd like to do more. She just swiftly sat back and said, well, that is not negotiable. You must read your Bible every day and stay in constant communication with your Savior. And as the good Southern girls that we are, what did we say? Well, what could could we say other than, yes, ma'am. And it changed for me then. And I'm not saying that I didn't have room to grow after that day. And I didn't go through dry seasons where my Bible sat right next to me unopened. But after that day, for some reason it clicked, I didn't have an excuse anymore. I couldn't say that I didn't know. The funny thing is that I'd heard it all my life that I should read my Bible, that I should be engaged in these things. I kind of like knew it in the back of my head. But it took my mentor to look me in the eye with love, no judgment, but no excuses, declaring that it was non-negotiable. So let me share this, my friend. It is a non-negotiable. You must read your Bible. And here's what I know. God will meet you there. And that's what she knew too. So all of that to say, I understand it when you tell me, I don't know everything you know, Michelle. And that's okay. I don't know nearly as much as the people I read and listen to either. We can just all be learners together. I've picked up a few tips along the way that will help you as you get started, as you restart, or as you dive deeper. I share them with you every week. I call them bites. They stand for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. I had a chance even to use some this week with some friends, and I was giddy. My husband and I got together with some friends we've been meeting with for Bible study for several years. And the study that we're doing stopped and had us read a chapter in the Bible And then asked us some questions to guide us along. Honestly, I was like, I think he's been listening to my podcast. Not really. My bites are not mine. (laughs) They're just good tips that I've picked up along the way. But um, basically, I was studying the Bible with friends, which is a bite. We were reading the Bible out loud. That's a bite. 
when one of my friends said, I've never read this before, and I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of it. We were able to use the bite of observation. We just took a step back and just made some observations of what we could see in the text. Who were the people named? Where were they? What time period does it seem to be set in? I jumped in and pulled up Google Earth so we could see the locations listed on a map. That's a bite. Another friend jumped in and said, I normally have to read something three times for it to sink in. Repetition. That's a bite. And then we were reminded to follow the cross-references in our study Bible. Another bite. We were guided to the footers in our Bible to understand that some of the names that were listed had meanings that added to the understanding of the story. That's a bite. The Bible study even guided us to answer my favorite question. Where is God mentioned in this text? What's he up to? Where do you see his character? What is he concerned about? What is he doing? What's his conduct? That's the bite of asking questions. And I always encourage you to start with God questions when you start asking questions of the text. Then someone chimed in and talked about what they knew about the time period and practices in that time period that brought additional understanding to what we were reading. And it dawned on me, that's the part where you get stuck. Because just by reading the text we were reading, my friend who had never read this chapter before would not know that information. And now she was grateful to know it and it helped her tremendously. It aided in the overall discussion. But for her, it reinforced in her mind that she needed the help of others to unpack scripture for her that she could never get it. But she didn't need us to look at the footers, to observe the characters, to ask questions about God or to pull out a map. And if we do that kind of work on our own, then when we come to the church service or the Bible study, prepared to go deeper and be drawn into the big picture, the meta narrative, maybe those themes that you can't know until you've studied the Bible for longer or been exposed to these ideas over time by those, by those who've done more research and study. It's much more nourishing to, to, to come to a place like that than to be spoon-fed all of it or to even miss the details not covered in the sermon because maybe it's not a verse-by-verse exposition of the text. But if you can come prepared, having read the context, having made some observations, having done a little bit of work on your own, then all of that extra that other people bring to the table Um, that maybe you couldn't know on your own or you couldn't know just by reading the text. Now, all of a sudden, it just means that much more. So let's take all of that as we look back at our song and begin to engage the text. First of all, Colossians. It's a letter and it's only four chapters. So follow the bite of read and keep on reading. Read the entire thing before you come back to our focus section. So what was that verse again? Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Now we can make some observations just in this one verse. And then I want to zoom out a bit and look at the context around this verse and see how we can better understand it. So let's just look at it. Why were we dead? We were dead because of our sins. And because our sinful nature was not yet cut away. Cut away. I wonder what he means by that. So let's put a pin in that for a minute. But it's okay to ask the question. What, what do they mean by cut away? How do our sins get cut away? <laughs> All right. Then how are we resurrected? Well, it says God made you alive with Christ. All right. So we see that we were dead 
Our sins kept us from the life that we seek and our sinful nature needs to be cut away, whatever that means. And God is the one who does it. All right. So now let's zoom out a little bit and let's start in verse five of chapter two. I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Ah, okay. So just by reading the context, now we see what he means by that. All right, let's keep going. Verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Ah, just like our song says, his name is victory. All right. Now we see better that that cutting away in verse 13 is really a metaphor. It's a spiritual circumcision whereby Christ cuts away our sinful nature. Then another metaphor is brought up, the picture of baptism, buried with Christ and raised to new life. So baptism is a picture of our death to sin and our resurrection to eternal life. Why? Because we went under the water? No, because we trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It's a picture. It's a metaphor. Now read it slowly. Read it several times. You'll begin to see things in this text you've never seen before. And if you've truly never read it before, you can begin to make surface observations. You may not see what I see, but you can get started. And if you want to go deeper, here's a here's a way you could you could go study circumcision in the Old Testament. When was it instituted? How was it performed? What did it mean even then? Um, It was a foreshadowing of this spiritual circumcision discussed here. So now you can begin to see if you've done any reading in the Old Testament about circumcision. Now all of a sudden you can see this giant link between the New Testament and the Old Testament and that it was a foreshadowing. What about baptism? Go back to the Gospels. Read about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. All of those details are firmly planted in the mind of Paul as he writes this letter and he speaks of these things. Okay? This is what he's thinking of. This is what this metaphor is. And then you can keep reading. Colossians chapter 3. I mean, that's another thing you could do to go a little bit deeper. We've pulled back into the context of chapter 2. But if you keep reading through chapter 3, it starts out like this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. All right. Now, since this is true, since everything we just read was true, we've been raised to new life with Christ. 
Paul is leaning over now and his eyes are narrowing ever so slightly. And he's saying, okay, now here are some non-negotiables. Read that text. Make a list. It talks about things to put to death and to put off. And it talks about things to put on, like literally to clothe yourself with. Make two lists, one of each. Make a list of things we're supposed to put away or put to death and make a list of things that we're supposed to clothe ourselves or to put on. And when you're reading and making observations in Colossians, there's something you may not completely understand. Much of the Christian life falls into the category of now and not yet. There is a spiritual reality that has not yet lined up with our physical reality. For example, Christ has cut away my sinful nature now. I'm buried with Christ now and raised to new life in him now, but I still must put to death the sinful er earthly things lurking within us. That's what the scripture says, because it's not yet complete. My sinful nature has been cut away now, but it's not yet completely dead because I have to keep putting them to death, right? So there's this... um, Colossians 3 3 says it this way for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God our real life is hidden with Christ in God but our physical life must still be lived and we must still put off and put on and follow and teach and counsel and hold each other accountable and 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 So what's next? Well, read all of Paul's letters, uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. Again, it's only four chapters. You can read all four chapters. Then start to make some observations. Maybe read it with a friend. Compile a couple of lists. Take note of anything that talks about life and death. It's interwoven throughout this letter. Then every time you listen to this week's song, you could be reminded of your time in God's word. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Instagram at michellekneezat. My public page on Facebook is michelle L. Nizat. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Steve from Ontario, Canada, Barb from Ohio, Steve from Illinois, Tracy from California, Linda from Louisiana, Cora from Wisconsin, Donna from New York, Remy from the UK, Becky from Illinois, Amy from Arizona, Anna from New York, and Cindy from Texas, Christine from New Hampshire, and Susan from North Dakota. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website, they benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's just a great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. In that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, or desktop, or you can even print it out. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. It's just my way of saying Thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? This really encourages me, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow us on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. 
Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will use the song You Got This by Love and the Outcome. This was a request by my listener, Sunny. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 275. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.